Thank you, Ben and team, all those of you guys at the back there. We've got a big crew that makes this happen every week. Thank you. And those of you watching online, maybe you're watching this later, you're sitting at the lake, or, or you come home and you're watching the service later, we welcome you, as you, but you're missing out on the good action here because it's, it's happening live, right? So, But understand there's times when you can't make it live, so the, the online option is there, but uh, New Life, we really like the real deal. We like being together, you know, kind of hearing each other, you know, sharing coffee together. That's part of who we are as a church, and we keep the online thing going, but that's not our primary focus. I mean, you maybe are checking our church out on the back door, and that's a good way to check out the church, but if you really want to check out the church and experience the church, you need to come in and, 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 and meet people and experience that on, on a personal level. What next? Sometimes when you read the book of Acts, it's, it creates this longing in your soul, and it's almost like you're reading a science fiction or watching some kind of sci-fi movie because it seems so far removed from reality. You're like, could this actually happen? The incident that we looked at last week is one of those incidents, right? The day of Pentecost, flames of fire, foreign languages, uh, Peter the denier of Christ gets up and preaches this fantastic sermon. 3,000 people are baptized and added to the church. You're like, does this stuff really happen? And just in case you thought it was getting weird, now we hit even a more strange passage that describes what happens as this group of people get together and begin moving together, following Jesus together, empowered by the Spirit together, it's this picture that almost seems sci-fi. For students that, say, went to Bible college or some discipleship program, maybe YWAM or Keeping Ray, whatever, sometimes you study this and then you come back to your home church and you're like, whoa, this is not what I experienced in my home church. Now, if you're not from a church background, good, because you have a, a fresh perspective. You're not colored. You haven't, you know, haven't been tainted by the reality that even churches are full of sinful people. Today is a reminder that we need to just keep following Christ together. And that we can still experience what they experienced if we follow him together. I'm going to read through this passage, and then we'll go through it verse by verse. But Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, I just want you to hear Luke's summary of this is the church up to this point. Here's what happened. 120 praying together in the upper room, and now we've got 3,000. What happened to those 3,000 people? This is what happened. It says in verse 42, and it's here, or you can follow along in your own Bible or electronic device, whatever you use. It says, they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Reverential awe came over everyone, and many wonders and miraculous signs came about by the apostles. All who believed held everything together, were together and held everything in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and distributing the proceeds to any, everyone as anyone had need. Every day they continued to gather together by common consent in the temple courts, breaking bread from house to house, sharing their food with glad and humble hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of the people 
And the Lord was adding to their number every day those who were being saved. We're going to walk through this together, but as we do that, let's pray just like they did. And bow with me. Maybe God is wanting to speak to you about something specific in this passage. And my encouragement to you as we prepare to enter into his word together, that you would pray, Lord, would you speak to me this morning? Show me in this text something that, that I need to hear and put into, put into action. Encourage me by this text. Give me a greater vision of Jesus and the Holy Spirit as it works in and through the local church. Lord, you've painted a wonderful picture here in this text for us of your church. And so lead us now as we come and devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching that you would just encourage us where we have thought wrongly, correct that thinking. Where we have not been acting, give us the courage to act and to follow and to respond obediently. And may your May you build up this body just as you did here 2,000 years ago. So guide us, Holy Spirit. Help this preacher, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll notice in verse 42, the first thing that you see in verse 42 is the word they. Contrary to, to our experience of Christianity in, in, in the modern world where it's very much the individual, the, the summary statement includes this idea that this is a group of people doing something together. Uh, while your faith is a private and a, and a personal matter in the sense that only you can believe in Jesus Christ, that you can't do that for someone else, the movement of Jesus Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit combine together to produce this they movement. Uh, Elijah and Ben and I were just studying the book of Revelation all week. We've been immersed in the book of Revelation. We know how it's all going to work out now. So we'll tell you later. But you, what you'll find in the book of Revelation, there's no individuals. There's no private citizens, you know, all on their own, doing their own thing, doing their own Christianity. It's, it's a group. It's, it's unity. It's, it's this body. In fact, it's every tribe, nation, language gathered together worshiping the Lamb. It's this, it's this solidarity. We all deep in our souls want to belong to something. And you know, it's interesting how we just, we do glom together. You've seen this. We witnessed this this past week as the two Albertan teams faced off each other in cosmic battle, right? You know, I mean, we saw it, right? Red and orange and blue and white and, you know, there they are. And it's, you know, it's going to continue, right? I mean, you see this. We want to belong to something. And here they, this group, even Ben and I were talking about it trying to find songs that are, are corporate responses. Because a lot of the, the, the hymnody and, and even the, the choruses, it's very much me. And, and the psalms are written that way. It's David and it's personal and, I, and, and that's fine. But, but, but to, to find songs that are like, we are the church. We walk together. We love each other. We, th those, those are harder to find. But the predominant focus as we begin entering this text is they. This is not individual. And so maybe if you come from, an, my faith is private. I just, this is the Canadian way, right? It's a private matter. It's a personal matter. I don't, you know, I don't live, you know. But the, the first century believers, it was a they. Moving up and out in new life in Jesus Christ together. 
And what they were doing is they're devoting themselves. And it says to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, the breaking of bread and to prayer, but this idea of devotion, right? You are devoted to the things that you love. You, all of you are devoted to something. Some of you love work. Some of you love food. <laughs> Some of you love the Oilers, you know. Some of you love the Flames. I mean, you love something. I love fishing. In my younger days, I mean, boy, I would find ways to get to a lake or a river and, and just do what I loved to do. Why? Because I was devoted to it. Some of you are devoted to your family. No matter what's going on in the church or the community, if family has something, it, it, all, everything else gets dropped because you're devoted to your family. Some of you are devoted to money. You wake up thinking about money. You think about money throughout the day. You go to sleep thinking about money. You check your stocks. You check your bank balances. You're watching your spending. You're devoted to money. You're devoted to the things you love. And as these people encounter new life in Jesus Christ, they gather together with the apostles. They're like, okay, so we believe in Jesus. What did Jesus teach? And they're like, well, let me tell you what Jesus taught. On the, on the mountain that one time, he began to teach us about, about these blessings, and, and these blessings are out of this world. I know one of you life groups studied this recently. So, you know, the Beatitudes, right? It's the poor in spirit. It's the mourners. It's the, you know, the peacemakers. I mean, the blessings come in unexpected places in the kingdom. Let me tell you what Jesus did that one night. We were on the water, and we were all alone, rowing, and, and wondering if this was it. And then all of a sudden, he appeared in the midst. And, and they're teaching them about Jesus, what Jesus taught, what Jesus did. And they love it. They can't get enough of it. They're devoted to it. You love what you're devoted to. I, hopefully, if you're in a marriage, marriage, you, you are devoted to that spouse, husband, or wife, that you are committed, that you pursue them with, with, with passion and, and with, with faithfulness. And as this community begins, they, they find themselves grounded on the teachings of Christ. And the, the apostles' teaching would become kind of a, an idiom for the word of God. So the, the community is built on God's word. Now, now the Holy Spirit is present. Christ is in focus. The Father is blessing it. But, but here's the word. And this, this is how, how God is communicating to the early church is through his word. And they're devoted to it. They love it. A healthy, biblical community loves God's word. Can't now, the danger is if you just focus on one of these things to the exclusion of the others, you will be an unbalanced community, right? So there are churches out there, big into the Word, love the Word, love the Word, love the Word, love the Word, but they miss out on fellowship, they miss out on looking after each other's needs, they look out, you know, they miss, they're missing some of the other key pieces that are found in here because it's all Word, all Word, all Word. No, 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 it's, it's, not, it's not just that. There, there's other components that are built into this, but there's this love for the Word. And they're devoted to this thing called fellowship. Now, like, like you've heard from this pulpit before, like fellowship for many people was like getting together and eating food together, which is a component of fellowship. 
or drinking coffee in the foyer together. We call that the fellow. Maybe some churches you maybe attended had this thing called the fellowship hall. This room dedicated to people eating and, and gathering together. But unfortunately, fellowship can be just, oh, just people getting together. That's not fellowship. You know, fellowship is not a bunch of guys in the church doing fantasy football together. That's not fellowship. That may be a step towards fellowship, but that's not fellowship. It's not you having an online social media group with other ladies in the church. That's not fellowship. That's an online social media group that, that gets together online. That's not fellowship. Even you could gather together and read the Bible and learn all what every word means, every passage means, every grammatical thing, and every, you know, all the nuances, but, but that could still be absent of fellowship. Fellowship literally is the sharing of life with life, soul on soul. It's a deeper level of relationship built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. It's where we move past the weather and the flames and the oilers and fishing and we start talking about real stuff. It's a dangerous place to be. But it's a place of great life and freedom. And this is what we find. They're devoted to this fellowship. What is this common experience of moving up and out together in Jesus Christ? They're, they're committed to each other. Why? Because they love each other, right? You're devoted to the things you love. And so, like, I love God's word and I love God's people. And you can't read the New Testament with sin. If you claim to love God, you have to love his people. If you don't love his people, you don't love God, 1 John. Unfortunately, throughout the centuries, Christians have missed this and got this wrong. And maybe some of you have church experiences like this, and I apologize you're watching online, you're like, yeah, I went to the church. They were a bunch of jerks. There are churches like that. I'm sorry. But this group was different. They're devoted to this thing called fellowship. Now, here's the reality. Satan will try to counterfeit everything that is true and real, right? That's why we have false churches, false cults, other religions, because the enemy wants to create counterfeits, decoys, uh, you know, false paths that people will choose to try to fill their spiritual needs, and, and they'll, they'll take them so far, but it won't take them all the way, right? And this is, this is part of the enemy's plan. So he will create places for you to have pseudo-fellowship. You need to just be aware of that. Because you may think that being part of that community service association is fellowship, but it's not. Because it's not built upon a common experience in Christ. You may think that when you go to the hockey arena and you've got all the parents and you're traveling together and and you know you're all everyone knows your name they're always glad you're king but that's not true biblical fellowship that's a, that's community but it's not built around jesus christ it's not the same but it's a counterfeit and it will carry you so far you may you, some people find this at work right you might you know the people at work that show up to work on their day off Ever, ever know anyone like that, right? Like, I, I worked in retail when I was younger, and like, like, you know, these guys would, you know, would be their day off, and they'd come into the store, and like, what are you doing coming into the store on your day off? Like, who does that? Why? Because that's where their community was. They're drawn to it. Some of you have this up at the lake in the summer, a group of people that camp together. But it's not fellowship, it's community. But the Christian, Holy Spirit-filled, Christ-focused, Father-blessed community is not the same as that. You may have accepted a different version of, of community and connection than what God 
truly wants for you to experience. And these people are devoted to this, right? They came from Jewish backgrounds. They had their, their neighborhoods. I mean, they, they could have, they probably had healthy community, but now they found a new community, what? On the common experience of salvation through Jesus Christ. And that trumps everything else. And that's hard. If you come from a, a strong family unit, they're like, how come you're going to church? Come on, it's, it's you know, it's our 50th fam, you know, family event of the year, but you need to be there. And, and it's like, well, no, but the church is doing this. And, and they can't believe that you would choose the church over the family. How dare you do that? How are you disrespect the family, you dishonor the family, and it's like, well, I have a new allegiance, I have a new connection, I have a new community. I love my family, but I love Jesus, and I love my church family, and you find the balance. They were devoted to community, to connection, to fellowship. This happens sometimes when you, most often for me, when, when you serve together. When you gather together, and we'll see later on in, in home, house to house. But, you know, if you've ever been, in, you know, on a missions trip, you'll, you'll, you'll experience some community there that, that you won't experience just showing up on church on a Sunday morning. If you've ever served at a camp together, I can remember years ago, 1996, sitting around these tables at, at, in the little dining hall, Southridge Camp, and, and there's this diverse group of people. No, no way that that group would be in the same room together except for one reason. We were there for the sake of, of Christ and the gospel. 60-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 20-year-olds, teenagers. And as we served God every day, we'd gather together, we'd share, we'd pray for each other. Like, I just felt this, like God was drawing us together. It was fellowship. When I've been in places where we're sharing Christ in the gospel, events, there's something about that, being on mission together, that just draws you together. You won't get that at the hockey arena or at the Rotary Club. You won't get that at your workplace or auntie's Sunday meal. You get that when Jesus draws you together in fellowship. Um, and it's healthy. It brings life. They were doing studies on this thing called epigenetics. I'm giving this illustration just for you really nerdy people out there that are smart, smarter than I, but epigenetics is a study of how your behavior and environment can cause changes that affect the way your genes work, right? So this was a big deal with COVID, right? Because people are feeling stress and anxiety, right? And so they're doing studies. This is from the Journal of Psychiatric Research, November 19, 2021. It said, we found that stress-influenced epigenetics... And this, in turn, led to increased rates of distress, anxiety, and depressive symptoms among participants. However, students who reported high levels of perceived social support showed lower levels of stress-related health outcomes. Students with a strong sense of belonging to a group, organization, or community dealt much better with stress and had reduced negative health outcomes following exposures to stress. Both these groups of students showed fewer epigenetic changes in genes that were altered as a result of stress. Was it healthier to not get together? Or would it have been healthier for us to remain meeting together? We did remain meeting together. We found ways to do it. But this is one God's way. 
He's like, there, there's health benefits to being the church and, and growing together and being devoted to, to, to learning and to fellowship and, and, to, and to having that social support network that's built upon a spiritual foundation of Jesus Christ. I mean, to take it further than the study did. It says they were devoted to this breaking of bread. This is, of course, the communion. This is Jesus breaking bread. This is a common experience, a common proclamation, a common faith in Christ. Right? They were, every week they're reminding themselves, what brings us together? Slave, nobleman, woman, man, you know, all these different groups in the Roman you know, culture, which apparently had seven stratas to it. How, how come in the church all those stratas were removed as they gathered together? Why? Because there was a common experience. The breaking of bread reminded them. We are here because Christ died for us. He paid the price. They're devoted to it. A common experience of salvation. And they pray. They pray. They're devoted to it. They love prayer. They love communion. The thing about communion, too, is this. You can't take communion if you know you've got an issue with your brother or sister. You're fighting. You're scrapping. You're, I mean... The churches that have communion every week, I mean, you have to keep short accounts with everyone if, if you're going to do it with a genuine heart. And so that regular practice just kept them tight and close and, and, and moving together up and out. Verse 43. Reverential awe came over everyone. There was this great fear. And not, not, not like a, oh, freaking out, but it's just like, wow. We are experiencing supernatural community. I've never seen anything like it. And the apostles, as they, in Jesus' name, are leading the church, these signs and wonders. You never pursue signs and wonders, but as leaders lead, especially in the first century, in this early part of the church, as they lead, in Jesus' name, miracles happen. We don't pursue miracles and signs and wonders. We pursue Jesus, but sometimes in that process, Jesus does things that, that, that no one else can do. And you're like, whoa, what just happened here? Jesus happened here. The danger with some churches and movements within Christianity is that we pursue the signs and wonders instead of pursuing Jesus, and that's a danger. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to breaking of bread, to prayer, and all of a sudden, as they're, they're loving these things, wow, God is doing something. It's, it's a sci-fi movie in action. Where do you find a place like this? Well, it even gets better. Listen, listen, listen. Verse 44. All who believed were together. And held everything in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and distributing the proceeds to everyone as anyone had needs. See, they were together. There was this harmony and unity. And, and they're, they're looking out for each other. And, and guess what? This tells us that the church was a place for hurting people. You didn't have to have everything in order and, and no problems in your life and, and the right clothes in the closet and the, you know, the right size Bible with the big print or little print or whatever. I mean, it was like anyone and even needy people could come and they're looking out for each other. It doesn't mean that everyone sold everything and they all became this you know, commune or society. What it meant is as the people had needs, the community said, okay, they got a need. Let's, how, who's, how can we help them? And so-and-so said, well, I got an extra, you know car at home, and I got this piece of property, I got, you know, I got, you know, and just, they looked out for each other, instead of looking out for themselves. Now that's supernatural community, because your and my inclination is to look after myself and my family. I mean, if I give money to help that widow in need, 
that may come from my children's education fund. Oh, no. It might come from my future retirement. Oh, no. But when Christ takes over my heart, I'm like, well, Christ will look after my kids' education. Christ will look after my retirement. That widow needs help. It's supernatural. Everyone, as anyone has need, they're looking out for each other. It's hard. You know, we get a lot of people asking for help at different seasons. It kind of comes in waves. On Good Friday, I had a phone call. A guy wanted me to e-transfer money to Halifax. I'm like, are you serious? I, I wasn't feeling very godly in the moment. <laughs> it's like, find a local church, because I want to, if you're here, I want to give you personal ministry. I want to talk about your soul and help you with your body and, and your, your physical needs. But, I mean, he's that desperate. He's calling a lawyer minister on Good Friday looking for something. I mean, I, I'm like, do you, think, do you think we're all stupid? Like, I'm going to e-transfer to Halifax? But, but they're, they're needy. But within the body... There's a different, you know, Jesus says, you know, or Galatians, it says, you know, let's do good to everyone, especially the family of faith. Yeah, we got to look out for each other. The day may come where this really becomes real. As we started the book of Revelation, I mean, that was one of the conversation topics was things getting worse, evil increasing, the animosity against the people of God. And we may have to live this out in a real way. In our lifetime, I don't know. But are you prepared to help each other out? To, to share as everyone and anyone has need. He goes on in verse 46. Every day they continued to gather together by common consent in the temple courts, breaking bread from house to house, sharing their food with glad and humble hearts. You see this consistency? If you're not part of the church on a consistent basis, it's hard for you to grow, to get connected, to experience what God wants you to experience here. If you're kind of in and out every six weeks, every two months, I mean, we're glad you're checking us out and, and, and tracking with us, but there's a consistency here. And, and it's, it's, it's not forced on them. They want to, to do this by common consent. They want to be together. And, and it's outside and it's in. It's not just they're doing their, their internal little churchy things together while the community out there is doing their things. They're in the temple. They're in the most, most tr high traffic area in Jerusalem. And then they're going house to house. You see the balance there? We don't want to just hide in our, in our living rooms, in our basements, and in our church. But we do do that to encourage each other to have growth times and prayer times together. But then we need to be out there, involved invested, visible, serving our community. We need Christians in the public square, men and women that will step onto school boards and town councils and, and you know, other community associations and just be an influence for Christ. We, we can't ignore that. But then we need to get together and just encourage and support each other. House to house, temple. I mean, there, you see this balance there as, as they're moving. And, and there's this, like, glad and humble hearts. They're, they're just sharing their food. They're, they're eating. I and mean, there's something about sharing a meal together, isn't there, right, that just brings you together. It could be the easiest form of evangelism that you could use in your life. Invite a neighbor over, a coworker over for a meal, and somehow just share your story or share part of your story or just be open to sharing your story, and you could be surprised. The meal is kind of you opening your life 
And, and, and maybe as you're talking about it, I always try to drop the church thing and see if they bite on that, you know, and just kind of a casual reference to maybe someone from my church and, you know, see if they'll bite and kind of, you know, kind of look, look for op- openings and opportunities. But one of the easiest ways for you to reach out to someone in this community would be to invite them over for a meal. And I would say this is especially so for those who don't come from the Canadian culture or context. The people I've met that have moved to Canada, I mean, the things they long for the most is just community, connection, right? Most of them come from warmer climates, so they're used to having tea in their backyard and gathering together, and then they come to Canada, and we're all freezing, and there's nowhere to gather, and we're hiding in our houses, and we're watching TV, and they're like, this is a depressing place to live. And then we Christians come along and say, oh, come over for tea, come over for coffee, come over for dessert, come over for a meal. Tell me about your culture. Share life. Let me tell you about Jesus. They're moving house to house, sharing their food, glad and humble hearts. Just so honored to be able to have someone else in. They're not sitting there thinking how much this meal's costing them, right? That's not a glad and humble heart, right? If you got that issue, don't invite people over. You should be thankful. Like, oh, I'm so glad I can spend 200 bucks on this meal. Oh, yeah, I'm giving them the best, you know. I mean, that, this is what it's about. And it says there in uh, verse 47, Praising God, having the good will of all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number every day those who were being saved. It's just so compelling, this group. Their connection to each other, their love for the word, for each other, for God, their care, and people are like, what is this? I still remember we had a, a man die in our church. He was in an industrial accident, and, and we, um, we looked after the funeral. and We looked after the meal, and we cared for them, and, and, and their kids were not believers, and they were just shocked. Who does this? They just, they had no grid to, to filter what they were experiencing. Like, so this group that doesn't even know our family is, is feeding us, is hosting this service, is helping us. They're like, well, why are you doing this? Because they're part of our family. They're, they're part of God's family. And, and, and we, 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 we love them. And so, of course, we're going to walk with the widow and, and we're going to honor our brother and we're going to help the family to navigate this journey. And they're just like, how does this work? And, and, and you know, they, they were drawn towards Jesus in that. God is adding daily. A healthy church growth. You know, I'm, I'm gardening right now. Some of you are in the same boat as me, right? You're, you're cleaning out weeds. You're adding fertilizer, maybe peat moss and other things to the soil. You're trying to create an environment that will, that will allow for the expansion of the plants in, in, your, in your garden. Or maybe you're putting seeds in the ground, but you've, you've cleared the row and you're watering it and you're making sure that it's, it's an optimal environment for maximum expansion. And we as a church, as we focus on these things that we see modeled in chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, we create this optimal environment that just naturally grows. What's really cool about COVID in New Life is that multiple people came to realize and discover Jesus Christ in that dark period of our history in Canada, but not for New Life. You're going to hear some 
fantastic stories on June 19th of people who discovered Jesus during COVID and now are part of our church. And it's like, it seemed like what a waste, what a horrible time, what a depressing time. But, but no, what, what it is, is God was still working because we didn't stop being the church. We didn't lock the door and say, well, good luck, do your own thing, hope you have fun, well, check, out, check your email every once in a while, and, and we'll catch up to you in a couple of years. We didn't do that. We kept the doors open as much as we could. We kept things going. The youth kept meeting. Uh, we had healthy epigenetics. Why? Because we followed God first, and he carried us through, and he'll carry us forward. But each of us has a part in being this type of community. We all play a part. And God may be speaking to you about some aspect of your own spiritual walk. Are you devoted to the word? Do you gather with a group of people? There are several groups that meet right now, and those are some of our healthiest growing disciples in new life right now. But are are you part of a group? And are you committed to that group? Uh, and it could be a, like a, a life group. It could be a group of three or four people. I mean, but, but you know, it's the word. It's sharing life. It's 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 connecting to each other, and it's just being and experiencing what God wants us to experience. It's called the church. So, um, God invites us to, to, to this reality. He grows it. If a church isn't growing, then there's something wrong. You're not, you're, you're, you're off. Oh, we're faithful. We're just we're just a faithful few. We're just you know we're we're staying true. And I'm like, well, you're not really doing what God called you to do. He, he called you to be a plant that keeps growing. And as you are committed to the fellowship and to the the apostles' teaching and 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 and, and to sharing the Lord's supper and to prayer, God does supernatural things through ordinary people. So, New Life, would you help me be this kind of church? Would you come alongside of Pastor Elijah and Ben and Pastor Frank and Danelda and Elisa and the team here and the board and the, and the ministry leaders? Would you come alongside of us and say, you know what, we're going to make, we're, we're committed to be in this type of place. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to blow it along the way. We're going to need to recorrect. But, but to say, no, this, this is our vision. Let's be a church like this. Why? Because it's, it's attractive. Because like, I thought church was a boring place. I thought church was a bunch of grouchy people. I thought churches were always fighting. Some are. We're not going to be that church. With God's help, we're going to say, no, we want to be a picture of this sci-fi church. <laughs> Out of this world church. Alien church, right? I mean, where do you get this? Jesus is what, what makes this happen. So would you join me? But it means you stepping outside of yourself, your individualistic faith, and start walking together with others and being a part and investing yourself in relationship, in ministry, in mission, and just experiencing this together, opening your life in your home to see how God can work in and through you as we do this together. Would you join me in this? Team, would you come up? And they're going to lead us in a closing song. And um, You know, uh, Ben and... Pastor Elijah and I were in Cochrane, and we were studying God's Word, the apostles' teaching, right? But then in the evenings, we were sitting together, and we were just talking about what we were learning, and we, we were experiencing fellowship. 
And then we were watching hockey and doing other things like that too. You know, but, but it's just beautiful how, how we were able to tie these two things together and, and just see this and grow together as a team. And, and that's what God wants us to have happen in our lives, in our youth group, in our children downstairs, in our, in our neighborhoods, moving up and out in new life in Jesus Christ together. Would you pray with me as we, as we close here? Lord Jesus, I pray for us as a church. Help us, O oh Lord, to be the church that you want us to be. Remove the selfishness and the pride and any of the baggage we brought into church with us from past church experiences. We just throw that trash out, Lord. And want to walk in the newness of your spirit, grounded in your word, focused on Christ, blessed by the Father. So, Lord, build your church here. And may we be able to just see lives come to know you. May you add to our number regularly as we exist as your body. Thank you for these, my brothers and sisters here, Lord. And we commit ourselves to you this day. If there's someone here today, Lord, that doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray, O oh Lord, that you would just draw them to yourself. Holy Spirit, show them the glory of Christ. He died and rose again for them. And for those watching online too, Lord, I just pray that if they're afraid to come, that, that you would give them the courage to walk into this building or a church in the community in which they live and experience life-changing community as, as your Holy Spirit works through your people, the body of Christ. And so we, together, seek you and ask for your blessing as we seek to live out this text here in New Life Community Church this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Now may the Lord lead us to be his church, the body of Christ, the temple of God. May we minister to each other and share this good news with our community this week. Lord, I pray your blessing on each family as they enjoy a day off tomorrow. Those that aren't with us, Lord, may you just be present in their celebration as well. Strengthen us, O Lord, that we may glorify your name. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.